This morning I'm reading Luke 5, 1 through 11. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had got out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but we have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. And so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of the fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. And when they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Good morning. Thank you, Scott, for reading our scripture this morning. I hope y'all are enjoying this cool fall morning on this holiday weekend. And good morning to all the folks joining us online as well. My name's Emily. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is my joy to be with you on this beautiful fall day. We are in a sermon series on miracles And I believe miracles occur every day. I wonder if we recognize them as such. Miracles are when the ordinary becomes extraordinary. Miracles are when God's activity interacts with human activity and something incredible changes. When I was a kid, I saw miracles every day. I remember I would get fascinated that the ochre seeds that we put in the ground knew to become ochre and not turnip greens, for which I was so thankful. And even today, a beautiful sunset, as it did when I was a little kid, can still blow me away. And the song of a bird on a cool fall morning when I'm out for a run can do the same. These small miracles within our days are like pathways that can draw me closer to God in the midst of anything. Pastor Jeff mentioned a few weeks ago that there are 37 miracles of Jesus in the Gospels. I think only 37? I imagine there were far, far more. I've heard people tell me recently to be able to find a parking lot in D.C. is a miracle. Or when something that you need happens to be on sale, that's a miracle. Or when you find that credit card that you thought you had lost forever. Or when your child finally sleeps through the night that first time. Every day, miracles, right? In our midst. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, we bow before you today. In our hearts, 
praying that you would open our eyes and open our minds and open our hearts to all those miracles you put around us so that we see you in our midst, in our everyday life, and are reminded that you love us and that we are not alone. Thank you, Lord, for how you walk with us in these illuminating ways. And may the words of our mouths, the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, for you are our rock and our refuge and our redeemer. And it is in your name that we pray, as all God's people say, amen. Well, let's dive right into the scripture today. This is one of those 37 miracles that's named in the Gospels. If you've got your Bible with you or you use a Bible app, I invite you to open up to Luke chapter 5, verse 1, and let us read together. We're at the Sea of Gennesaret, also known as the Sea of Galilee, which is shaped like a harp. And at its longest, it's 13 miles long, and at its widest, it is 8 miles wide. And when our story begins, it has been a long and disappointing and tiring night. The watermen or fishermen, Simon Peter, James, and John come off the water that morning, exhausted. They're washing those empty nets, which was no small task back then and could take hours. And this man named Jesus shows up as the watermen are getting ready to go home and get some much-needed rest. And a crowd comes along with this Jesus. In the Gospel of Luke, Simon Peter had just met Jesus a few days before when he healed his mother-in-law and a lot of other people. And it's because of those healings, those miracles, that this crowd is now following Jesus around. Jesus gets in Simon Peter's boat that day and asks him to push out a little from shore, which Simon Peter does. And Jesus then sits down in the boat like a rabbi would to teach his students. Being in the boat gives him a little distance from the crowd, right? We don't know what Jesus taught that day. That's not included in the story At the end of that teaching time, he turns directly to Simon Peter for conversation and tells him to go right back into the deep water where you remember he had not caught anything all night. Simon first said it wasn't worth it. He was tired. The fish weren't there. This was his profession. He knew what he was doing. The fishing industry was a major one in that culture and time. People ate more fish than any other meat. This was a recognized vocation. And years ago, I had the privilege of interviewing other persons for whom fishing is a recognized vocation. I had the privilege of serving a church out on Virginia's northern neck, and we had watermen in the congregation and in the community. And I asked them, help me understand all these fishing stories with Jesus. What do they sound like to someone who fishes all the time for a living? And it was so interesting to me what they said. About this story in Luke chapter 5, they said, there's a reason why they would have been fishing at night. Fish come into the shallows at night and sunlight hurts their eyes, so they go off into the deep during the day. At night, they come up and it's easier to get a net around them. 
And Simon, they said, would have been dog-tired by that point. For most of fishing is hard manual labor, and if you're lazy, you're not going to make it as a waterman, they said. Nets are hard work, and it can take hours to get them clean. And at the end of a haul, if you don't have anything and you've cleaned the nets and somebody tells you to put those nets back in again, you would question the wisdom, they said, of doing that. It would make no sense. You wouldn't want to fool with it after hauling all night. That Simon Peter would be thinking, this man, this Jesus, is pretty crazy, they said. And you wouldn't want to go back. And you wouldn't want to get those clean nets dirty for no return. But that's exactly what Simon Peter did. He dropped those clean nets back into the deep water. And the unexpected happened. A miracle, right? The catch of a lifetime. There were fish right there where Simon Peter could find them. The waterman said that is the best feeling. When you get a net full of fish, it's the best feeling in the world. It makes your face light up. Your arms aren't quite so tired anymore. Your dreams take flight. And in this case, your boat starts to sink. (laughs) So much so that Simon Peter has to call for help from his partners and get another boat to come along. And these were not small fishing boats. The average fishing boat back then would have been about seven and a half feet wide, which I measured this week with the tape measure, is the distance of this outside edge of the step all the way over to the outside edge of the second step. And about four and a half feet deep, which is the distance from the floor there up to about here on the music stand. And 26 and a half feet long, which is the distance from the edge here all the way out to the one, two, three, four, five, six pews. So, Caitlin, you could wave. And that's about how long, <laughs> thank you, that that boat would have been. It takes an unbelievable amount of fish to start to sink not one, but two boats that size. Those men worked hard to haul in those nets in back-breaking labor to catch that much fish. That is not lucky fishing, my friends, or holding your mouth the right way, or the best lures in the world. That was a God thing. That was a miracle. More fish in the net than Simon Peter had ever seen. More fish than he could count. The best moment and height of his profession. The biggest prophet. And seeing such unprecedented abundance in the place where he had been coming up short. Simon didn't know how to handle it. He turned to Jesus. I don't know what you are about or who you really are, but you don't want me for it. I'm not worthy of it or worthy of you. Simon Peter says, get away from me, Lord. For I am a sinful man. And Jesus turns to Simon Peter and says, you're right, Simon. What was I thinking? I would never want anybody like you. Is that what Jesus says? Jesus' words to Simon Peter are reassuring. And what he says to Simon Peter is, I want you to come and join me in it. Don't be afraid, Simon Peter. This is what I do. From now on, you will be catching people. The Greek there literally is you will be taking people alive. 
as opposed to fish who die when you bring them in. When people become part of Jesus' mission, they become alive in ways perhaps they have not been before. And that, too, is a miracle. It is quite the story, isn't it? The waterman told me, I don't think I could walk away from my gear and my boats like that. No, sirree, thank you. There's too much of an investment in that. You work too hard to get that far to leave it. And you would never walk away from a catch like that that would help support your family for a long time. But walk away from it is exactly what Simon Peter did and James and John. Because when Simon and his partners get to shore, they walk away from the biggest catch of their lives. And the biggest prophet they had ever potentially seen to enter a new vocation and calling. This story is both a miracle story and a call story. A miracle story, of course, because of the catch of fish and a call story because this is what brings in Simon Peter and James and John to the call of being one of Jesus' disciples. I asked those watermen why they thought Jesus called watermen to be disciples. They laughed. (laughs) They said being a fisherman is hard work in the best and worst of all seasons. We don't have social skills. We're rough around the edges. And you have to be willing to go out there in all conditions and keep working and not give up when you don't feel like you like how things are going. Their saying was you have to deal with what's dealt to you, whatever it is. Watermen are stubborn and patient and hard-headed and strong, they said. And I guess Jesus knew if they can put up with fishing, they could put up with most anything. And they would keep working hard at it and never give up. Sounds like a great description of Simon Peter, don't you think? Jesus knew he was rough around the edges. Uh, not the best socially, imperfect, blundering, outspoken, passionate, headstrong, hardworking. And Jesus calls Simon Peter as he is. Jesus knows what Simon Peter will do. He knows that after they spend the next three years together, Simon Peter will not stay awake when Jesus asks him to the night before he's crucified. And Jesus knows that Simon Peter will tell others that he didn't ever know Jesus and had never been with him. And Jesus knows that Simon Peter will not stand by and stay there when he's crucified. And he knows that Simon Peter will deny him. Jesus knows all that and calls Simon Peter as he is anyway. And I believe Simon Peter learned something incredible this day on the sea that repeats in his life again. And I'll come back to that later in a moment. But first I want to ask if you see yourself in this story. I certainly find myself swimming around in there. Jesus comes to Simon Peter, not when he's well-rested, not when he's on top of his game, not when things are going incredibly well and he's flying high. Jesus comes to Simon Peter when things are tough, when things are hard, 
when he's disappointed, when he's been coming up empty all night long. When Simon Peter's been doing what he always did in the place where he always did it and it wasn't working. And what did Jesus do? Told him ironically to dig down deeper into the place where he'd had the failure and disappointment. And Jesus put fish there for him to find. We can trust Jesus in our limitations too. There are many days when I see myself in Simon Peter. Frankly, as a pastor and as a wife and as a stepmom, I don't do any of that perfectly. And there are days when I am far too well aware of my own limitations and the ways that I come up short. The other pastors and I are doing our level best to be faithful and navigate faithfully and admittedly imperfectly the challenges of ministry and church dynamics and financial challenges and all the impact COVID has had on this church and other churches and all that's going on in the denomination and wanting to keep us focused with discerning a new vision and mission and ministry going forward. And we're not doing that perfectly. But Jesus keeps putting fish out there for us to find. Again and again. How is it Jesus keeps calling us back into the places where we feel like we keep coming up short? And Jesus keeps putting fish there for us to find to keep us going. A text from my stepson every now and then that tells me, yeah, we're still doing okay. Or a moment with my husband, like remembering, oh yeah, we can take a walk in the evenings together. And have time one-on-one. So we keep digging back and throwing the nets into those places in our lives where we feel like we keep coming up short. And Jesus puts fish right there for us to find. Maybe you know what that's like. To work hard and feeling like nothing changes some days. That no matter what you do, it feels like it isn't enough. And if we've all lived long enough, we've probably all been there. When the nets at home or at work and with family seem empty and you've tried everything you know. And you don't know what to do to make it better. And Jesus steps right in. When those nets are empty and we feel like we're coming up short and invites us to row out to the depths of ourselves fully aware of our limitations when we're already tired and says, trust me and puts fish there enough for us to find. You can't do this on your own. And that's not a bad thing. We're not supposed to be able to do this on our own. We're meant to need Jesus. And Jesus says, come along, I'll step into your boat, come and join me and watch what I can do with you, with your heart, with your life, and with your church. Simon Peter went to the deep and dropped his nets right back in those contexts in which he was struggling and coming up short and God blessed his weary soul and tired arms with that unexpected abundance. And we'll do the same for us 
when we're hurting and struggling and will put fish right there enough for us to find. Let us trust Jesus when things are hard. When the catch of fish came in, Peter recognized immediately that it was not his doing, but it was Jesus. Jesus' power, Jesus' strength, Jesus working through even Peter's arms when they dropped that net. When we relinquish ourselves to God's movement in our lives, to God's empowering of us, miracles can and do happen. A reconnection with a child, a reconnection with a spouse perhaps, having that oomph and energy to keep going another day in an occupation or vocation that you find tiring and fulfilling and a blessing and difficult and all of that mixed up together. And Jesus keeps putting fish right there where we'll find it. Enough fish to keep us going and then some. In Jesus' hands, limitations can become possibilities. Death becomes resurrection. Disciples can grow. Churches can be reborn again. Ministry happens. And the kingdom of God gets bigger and wider as the nets become more full. Thanks be to God. Back to that point about Peter and what he learned that day. You may remember a little story from John chapter 21. When it had been another long night of fishing with nothing to show for it, Jesus had been killed and resurrected, and Simon Peter and some of the guys had gone back to fishing. And on that night, as they came to the morning, Jesus was standing on the shore, but they didn't know who it was, what it, who that was. And the person on the shore yells out, drop the nets in again. And so they do, and what do you know? Jesus had put fish there for them to find. And it was enough and overflowing. And Peter knew who that was, right? He'd seen that before. And he jumps in the water and swims to shore and leaves the rest of the guys to bring in all the fish, which I'm sure they didn't appreciate. And he runs off to the shore, and they're going to have breakfast with Jesus. And do you remember, Jesus had had a lot of failure right there as a disciple. Denying Jesus, not staying with him, not staying awake with him when he'd been asked. And what does Jesus do? He asks Simon Peter to throw his nets right back in again as a disciple with three questions. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And he dropped his nets back down again into that emptiness and disappointment. And boy, with a fish there for him to find. Do you know as Christ welcomed Peter back in as this full disciple that he'd never stopped being, even though it was messy. Jesus knew it was going to be an imperfect ride with Peter and with all of us. Peter becomes the first disciple out of all of them to preach in the book of Acts. Peter becomes then what Jesus said he'd be this rock on which the church was built, and Peter becomes that in that season to come. Empty nets need not be the end of our story. When things are hard, that needs not be the end of the road. 
God is not a God of empty nets. God is a God of full ones, a God who will put fish there for you to find. We may feel the weight of our limitations. That's okay. We're supposed to. When we are not enough, Jesus is more than enough. When we don't know what's around the corner, God already does and is already there. Jesus wants us to feel the weight of a catch that we don't see coming. He's only getting started in you, in me, in our church, in our community. Emptiness can become fullness. Limitations can become possibilities and more fish than we can count. If you're feeling tired today and struggling, know that Jesus has put fish out there for you to find. And be reminded that you are not alone. In fact, Jesus wants you to join him in a journey and says, come on in. (laughs) We've got work to do and let's get busy. Thanks be to God. Amen.